BDO's core purpose is helping people thrive every day. And this podcast is intended to do just that. We cover a variety of topics from the recruiting process to life at BDO, building your personal brand, and more in hopes that college students and recent grads will thrive as they navigate their own path from campus to career. The podcast is for educational purposes and unrelated to BDO job openings. Welcome back to Series 8 of the Students Who Know podcast, which covers various business acumen topics. Campus recruiter Lindsay Fisher is back to host, and joining her on today's episode is Shane Carney, an experienced tax associate. They'll dive into the main differences between academic and business writing styles and will share techniques for writing more concisely, clearly, and effectively in a business setting. Thanks, Karina, for the introduction today. And thanks to Shane for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm excited to be involved. Thanks for having me on. Of course. In this episode, we're going to be covering the differences between academic and business writing. And I know, Shane, when we were talking about this topic, it's a really great topic for people that are in school that maybe haven't worked at like a corporate office yet or haven't had an internship or just anyone that's even further along in their career. These are great tips to keep yourself accountable as you go through your career. I think these are great tips and some of them may be common sense, but they're great reminders and can really help you just be more strategic and intentional about your communication. Absolutely. I feel like they teach you how to write a specific way for academic purposes. And while that's great, the way you communicate in a business setting is different and you want to adjust your writing style to address that. Absolutely. And so I guess to initially kick it off, the main difference is when we say academic and business writing, what are we talking about? So when I think of academic writing, I think of in school, I had to write essays on tests or exams. In high school, I had to do a lot of papers, as I'm sure most of us did, journal entries potentially. So that's more of the academic type writing. And then when you get into a business environment, you're writing a ton of emails for the most part, maybe some reports, presentations that you may share with clients, memos, I guess. Is there anything else that you do on a daily basis? I would say personally, 90% of what I do is email as far as writing goes. And then there's a few memos and things like that. But email, I would say, is the bulk of my business writing. Yeah. So a lot of what we're going to talk about today will be mostly applicable to email. But I guess it really depends on what your job is and what your work environment is. But another main difference is that for academic writing, the papers and the exam questions that you're writing really is supposed to demonstrate your knowledge. You're talking about research that you've done and you're showcasing that. So showing that you've mastered or you are knowledgeable about this topic. And then in business writing, you're doing a lot of informing. You're responding to people's emails. You're giving them information. Maybe you're providing information to persuade someone of something or achieving a goal. You need to get information from someone in order to complete a project, whatever it may be. And so with that, the focus of academic and business writing is a little bit different. For academic writing tends to be more writer focused. So your point of view or you've researched this and this is what you know. And business writing, it can be a little bit different. You could be sharing your opinion similar to academic writing, but you're more so, as we mentioned, informing someone of something. So it's really based on your audience, whether it's your team, a client, it could be internal, external within your company. So it's a little bit different. I would say it's also it's a little more action driven, like it's yeah. audience focused, but you want your audience to do something, whether it's right. give you information that you need or to complete a task that you would like them to complete. So even when you're informing someone in business writing, it's informing with like a certain purpose of getting an action completed. That's true. Yeah. The academic writing is more just informing and maybe that's all you're doing with it. And then business writing, you you need that action back. 
which is goes into my next point that business writing is a little bit more urgent. Maybe you have an urgent need. It's more on the job. If your industry that you're working in is more deadline driven, like ours is, that's important. You need to get responses pretty quickly or maybe by a certain time frame. And then academic writing, it's maybe a longer duration that you're writing. If it's a paper, you may have a month or several months to work on. And so those are some of the main differences. And I think it'll even make more sense what we're talking about as we get into some more kind of tips and tricks to really hone kind of your business writing skills. Absolutely. I think I'll pass it over to you if you want to kind of talk about just some tips as we think about how we are writing our emails or memos in a work environment. All right. So something we want to talk about is sentence structure and how you're structuring what you're writing. Sentence length is very important. You don't want anything over 15 to 17 words. So after that, your reader will start to kind of gloss over that information and you don't want them to miss anything. Include one idea per sentence. You don't want compound sentences where you're trying to include a bunch of different ideas. Just one sentence, one idea. And brevity, quantity, and conciseness, quality is different. You don't want a whole bunch of words that don't necessarily say a whole lot. You want to keep it short, but to the point. Yeah. And I think for your point of including one idea per sentence, I think the sentence you're writing could be a very grammatically correct sentence, but it could just have a lot of ideas going on that your reader may lose focus on, may lose interest. And the whole purpose of you reaching out to them is to get a response or share information. And if they don't retain that information or aren't going to be reading it in time, that's not really helpful to you. All that we talk about today is really benefiting the writer and the reader. So it's mutually beneficial to keep these things in mind to keep your sentences structured this way. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, you kind of want to avoid unnecessary words. A lot of times the way we phrase things in writing we've done, we add words that aren't needed. Like we're as of this date running over budget. Everything you write, unless you specify as otherwise, is as of this date. So you don't need to tell <laughs> the reader that it's as of this date. Yeah. Unless I say, I you know, last July <laughs> or next year, you're going to assume it's today. Right. You're writing in the present tense. I think this is a thing we all fall into. I know for me personally, whenever I am, am reaching out to someone, I'll get in the habit of saying, I'm reaching out to ask you this question, blah, blah, blah. And I could just ask the question and it would cut out five words. Exactly. Because I'm reaching out in regards to, well, obviously I'm reaching out. I'm the one that's writing the email. <laughs> right. Right. You're receiving a communication from me. And so it's kind of just being thinking about that when you are reaching out to someone, <laughs> whether it is over email or you're IMing them in whatever software your company uses, or you are calling, you know, you don't need to say I'm calling because you're calling them. So it's kind of thinking about just those words that can really trim down your communication to increase the likelihood that your reader does actually read it. And are you using two different words that might mean the same thing? Let's cooperate together. You have to be together when you're cooperating. In my past experience, all That's of your That's when I see all the, the time. <laughs> this is extremely urgent. If something's urgent, it's already pretty extreme. You don't need to add the extreme. And that's a trap I fall into. When something's urgent, you feel like you need to qualify that because you're really trying to get somebody to do something for you. So this is very urgent, extremely urgent. But the fact is, urgent's urgent. Yeah, exactly. And just keep an eye out for those qualifiers that maybe aren't necessary because it's actually just the same word said in a different way. <laughs> Another important thing and something I've learned pretty early on is to use informative and result-driven subject lines. For instance, vacation, emergency vacation starting tomorrow. Because vacation, that could mean anything. I eventually want to take a vacation. Do right. I have vacation time? Are you taking a vacation? 
But if I say emergency vacation starting tomorrow, you know exactly what I'm about to tell you. So you, you know what you're kind of getting into and what information you're going to get. Or new hire is a pretty broad subject line versus Mark Klutz joins BDO IT on April 5th. You know exactly who the new hire is. You know what service line they're joining. You know when they're joining. And then say in a month or two from now, you need information that you send in regards to Mark Klutz's new hire. If you search new hire and you use new hire for every new hire email you send, you're going to have tons of them. But if you have Mark Klutz's new hire, it'll be right there at the top. Yeah, I think this is a huge tip, I think, for any students that are going into an internship or starting a job. If you kind of come in and structure your subject lines in your emails like this, your supervisors and your team will be, I think, very impressed and really appreciative of when you reach out. It's not just question or update. Because I think as individuals that work in a business setting, we get a lot of emails. And so we don't want our day wasting time searching for emails or not being able to find things in our inbox. And so this will help your coworkers and your team stay organized. And if you need to inform someone of something like action requested, action required, please respond ASAP. You can use those subject lines in an intentional way in order to help get your responses back even quicker than maybe 24 hours later or 48 hours later. So this is, I think, a great tool to use and just kind of get into the habit of setting up your emails to catch people's eye, kind of like clickbait. Absolutely. Is it like clickbait, like an article or a YouTube video or something? A title that will catch your eye will make you click and a subject line that will catch your eye and get your attention will get you to read it and follow up on it more quickly or be able to find it later when you need to go back to it. Exactly. And we're not saying to catfish your coworkers, but I think there is a way that you can provide enough specific details so that it does catch someone's eye. Well, I guess another thing that we should talk about is email length and structure. And I don't know about you, but I think when I started out working, I would try to cram every possible bit of detail of the topic I was writing about, background knowledge, some context, the actual purpose of my email into probably one long paragraph that was not great for my reader <laughs> to comprehend. Oh, and I, I would, I would and... <laughs> hit them with a very vague subject and then a wall of text because, exactly. hey, all the questions they'd have about the subject, I'm just going to hit them with a wall of text that will explain everything. Right. They can take that time and really read my email and make sure they know everything I have to say <laughs> about it. And what we've learned is that's not a very effective way to reach out to someone and communicate. One, that person that sees that really long wall of text is probably not going to respond to you in the next few days. It's not going to be high on their priority list because they don't even know and can't take the time to see what you're writing about and what you're reaching out about. You get hit with that long, long email and it's, I'll get to this when I have time for this. I just, right now I have all these tasks. And it could be the sort of email that you need to shoot a one sentence reply to, but you keep yourself from getting to it because you have a mental block because your reader will see that text and say, I don't have time for that right now. Right. You could bury the actual purpose of the request in this large paragraph. And really, if you had just sent that one short sentence, keeping in mind sentence length, as we said, you could get a response back within five seconds. If I'm working and I see in my email pops up a quick question that I know the answer to, I'm happy to just shoot an email off to that person. They get their answer and I get it out of my inbox. And so that's one less task I have to worry about later. So it's beneficial for both people if you kind of keep that in mind. And so something that I think we've all been taught going through high school and if you're at a college or university right now is when you're in English classes, you know, you're taught to kind of introduce your subject. So that intro paragraph, introductory statement, you provide background or context, and then you end with a nice conclusion or call to action or like summary statement. We're actually suggesting in a business setting to reverse that approach. And so 
we think it's really beneficial to start with your call to action and get into the context after that, and then kind of close with a nicety or any last info that the person may need. You know, and I think it comes from the situation, you know, academic writing, you're Mm -hmm. proving a point, you make a point, but you have to explain it. People are going to question what you have to say. So you want to provide support and evidence. In the business setting, you're either giving instructions to somebody or asking for somebody for something specific. You're in the position to ask them or tell them to do something. They're kind of getting that email, getting those points to you from the assumption that you know what you're talking about to the level of maybe I'll ask some clarifying questions. They don't need to convince me to do this task. It's my job to do this task. Exactly. Yeah, that's very true. So that kind of flipping that approach, we can call it the ABC method. And so what that stands for is the A is action summary. And that's where there should be a specific action or a purpose or maybe your response if you are answering a question instead of asking it. And making sure that your first sentence that you write to someone passes the so what test. So if I'm writing to you, Shane, my first email, if that says, Hey, Shane, in my first sentence, you should be able to read that and be like, okay, I know why I'm getting this email and I know how to respond to it. And so that's, I think, a great test. I'm definitely going to keep that in mind going forward in my career is whenever I'm writing someone, the first thing I've written, I can go back and reread it and double check that it meets that. The second, the B stands for background. So that's where you'd provide any context, any explanation, maybe some details that you think are necessary. And so the B, the background will really help your reader understand. And this is where you can really be creative with your structure. So you could use bolding or headers or a bolded list or maybe a table. That's where you can provide any details. And that's much easier on the eye, structuring it with bullets or highlighting, bolding different things like that, as opposed to getting a paragraph, organizing your points in a way that it's kind of easy to see what you're saying with this background information. I know I personally, it helps me kind of put my thoughts together when I organize it like that. And it helps me understand what the writer's saying when I get an email like that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's another good thing to remember is that you don't need to just use kind of those bulleted lists or tables or charts in the PowerPoint presentation. You can use those in, in email or in memos. And I think that's really common in a work environment. Then you would, the C of the ABC method would be the close. So those next steps, I'll follow up with a call soon. Let me put some time on your calendar or just have a great weekend. Thanks so much. Anything like that. Those things that we usually start out our emails with. I know we've spoken about starting last March when our company went remote with the pandemic. Every single email that anyone got started out with, I hope you're being safe in these unprecedented times. I hope you're having a safe week, staying healthy. And it's just kind of funny to think about because it's kind of assumed, you know, we all care about each other. We're working as a firm, as a team. And so those types of greetings aren't necessary, at least to start. You could put it at the end, but it's most important that your reader at least gets to your A, your action. We we understand that, that these times are unprecedented. Right. (laughs) So we don't need to say it in every email. (laughs) The caveat with that is if you're reaching out to someone that you haven't spoken with before, it's a new contact, of course, that nicety is appropriate. But I think the ABC method is really great for people that you consistently work with. Absolutely. The so what test example is, hi, my name is John Grant and I work in the marketing department at Brand Incorporated. You get that as the first line of your email and you're just so what? Or you could get, I work with Ann Bradstreet at Brand Incorporated and we'd like to meet with you next week to talk about our vendor relationship. I know exactly what you want. Oh, you want to talk about this? Let me read on. 
Exactly. So it makes you want th- to read on. Exactly. If I get a line of some just some information doesn't really pertain to me at all, I kind of shut off. Even your reader will too. But if you start off with information or an action item talking about a vendor relationship next week, that's an actual bullet point item that I can do that hooks me in. Yeah. You know what the next action is. You know what the next steps for yourself with this communication is. You know what they want from you. Right. And it can be very frustrating when you get an email and you're reading it and you're like, I don't know what they want from me. Right. And then that makes you have to go back to that person and kind of ask them, so what? (laughs) And then they have to come back to you. So then it takes more time up of everyone's day to figure out the purpose when you could have just started with that. So definitely important to keep that in mind, whether you're reaching out for a request or just to inform someone of something or to ask someone a question. It should always kind of pass the so what test. Absolutely. Just to recap, some things to keep in mind are... Definitely apply or remember those guidelines when writing sentences to make them more concise that change shared. So keeping one idea per sentence, making sure your sentences are on the shorter side about yeah, 15, 15 to 17, to 17 words. was the magic. Okay, magic number 15 <laughs> to 17, making sure you're not using two words that kind of mean the same thing. So kind of those guidelines there. And when you're structuring your emails, make sure to use the ABC method, the action, the background and the closing. It provides more clarity and just ease for your reader, and it'll be more likely to get a better, quicker response. And use the subject lines to really strengthen your emails and attract your reader. And again, this will help you get quicker responses when you are working in kind of a deadline-driven environment. So yeah, with that, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today, Shane. This was a great, great tips. And I think this will be really helpful for maybe students that are applying for internships or full-time, or maybe they're already working full-time and just want to brush up on these tips. Uh, Thank you for having me. It was great. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Students Who Know, on iTunes or Spotify. You don't want to miss out. And for more information on careers at BDO, go to our website, www.bdo.com slash careers, and follow hashtag BDO intern life on your favorite social channels.